welcome to episode 87 of the Daft Souls podcast. My name is Matt Lees and I'm joined as ever by Quentin Smith. Hello, Matt Lees. Hello, people at home. Hello, yes. Um, it's been a while. We haven't done one for a long time, probably since July. Uh, this will be our last podcast of the year. <laughs> oh, God, I thought, good. I'm glad that's where that sentence went, so that's fine. <laughs> um, but we will be returning uh, with Daft Souls in January mm-hmm. with some new things slightly probably new games new videos new ideas and uh, but for now let's just say thank you to the people who've been supporting the patreon for the last six months while we've been on hiatus absolutely Uh, for those of you who don't know um, I've kind of been going through a lot of personal stuff my wife um, has had cancer and still does unfortunately but she's a a bit better at the moment Um, so that's why Daft Souls hasn't been in your podcast feed I've had lots of people come in saying where is it why have you stopped doing it that's why Um, but things are a bit cool now so we're going to try and get back to it and we thought we'd just wrap off the year with a nice Daft Souls with us talking about the great stuff we've been playing over the last few months um, as a nice little pre-Christmas treat Uh, but yeah as Quinn says thank you very much for your patience and also thank you very much to those people who've continued supporting the podcast and Cool Ghosts even though we've had to put it all on hiatus you know I prompted this thanking but let's move on to video games man which was always the remit of this podcast just get to games as soon as possible. Matt, what have you been done playing? Ah, well, actually, you know, since uh, the last podcast we recorded, I've been playing tons of Duelist. Duelist. As of you. Um, I have, both yeah. been playing loads of this stuff. It's such a very, very strong um, card game, computer card game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a computer game, isn't it? But also a card game. But you play with your computer cards, um, it's fantastic. I mean, basically, we've we've both like uh, uh, repeatedly ragged on uh, Hearthstone in the past. Hearthstone has a you know, of course, changed a lot over the past few years, and now is like a much more kind of like interesting version of a digital card game. But Duelist, for me, I think having not got into Hearthstone mm-hmm. back when, has been the card game where I've just gone, this is solid. Well, it is solid. It's like in- inarguably good. And speaking as people who play a load of card games for their other job, which is Shut Up and Sit Down, a board game and card game site, Duelist is so interesting. And it does something that Hearthstone does a bit, which is uh, it, as a card game, it works a lot with stuff that only video games can do. With a physical card game, you can't have, you know, a producer random effect, summon a random monster, a random artifact. It can't... Uh, buff cards ridiculously to crazy numbers Mm. uh, or have little rudimentary AI that runs cards around the boards because this is a grid like Yu-Gi-Oh with trap cards and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, and that's a major thing as well. Like, obviously a lot of the randomization stuff is now in games like Hearthstone, but really the big difference in Duelist is the grid. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really just kind of makes it very complicated. It's so Um, hard. It's really hard. I mean, the thing is, I love it. I'd really recommend people check it out. But it's really hard. And some days I find it really frustrating because it's it's become for me like my go-to game for when I just want to like, when I can't be bothered doing anything else. And it's been really good for just being like, oh, I'm just going to play a few rounds of Duelist. But it's really frustrating in the fact that it's it's my comfort game now. It's what I play right. like when I want to zone out. But it also requires like a lot of concentration and you've got to really be on your game. And if you just roll into it some days when you just don't know what you're doing, you just get stomped on really ruthlessly. So this is the difference between your and my duelist experiences uh, because for you it's become this stressful thing. But for me, I've been loving the fact and I've been telling everyone about the fact that it resets your position in the league by 10 ranks every month, which is great because I will play duelist. I'll build my little decks and I'll play poorly 
and I'll get to a certain point in the ranking, and then just as I start butting heads with all the other people who are trying to get into, you know, like, gold league, then I wait for the month to tick over, and it drops me back 10 places, and then I can go and just beat on scrubs again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what's lovely about it, is it is very complicated, but I do tend to, I've been playing a lot of it, and yeah, it does mean as the, as the month goes on, you're kind of like, well, I'm, I'm good now. Like, you get into gold league, and then, and then you're just playing against people who are really good mm, all the time. What does that feel like? Ah, it's nice. It is nice. Is it? It's nice to be able to get into gold, though. Like, I do like that. You kind of find that rather than it being this thing of... of Because um, with other, other league games where you're kind of like, it's static for a long time, um, you have that frustration of, of having to fight to get into the league you want to be in. Like, I remember playing StarCraft. I'd be like, I want to get, I want to get into gold. I want to get into gold. Yeah. And I did get into gold at one point on StarCraft 2, but it was so stressful getting oh there. Oh my God. I think every time I looked at that screen where it's like, we found you an opponent and the game is about to begin. Yeah. That was maybe a 15, 20 second window. I think every time I went through one of those 20 second windows, it was like the microwave tunnel from MGS5 <laughs> and I was like losing minutes off my life. Yeah, it was horrendous. Because right? of the adrenaline. Yeah. And that's the thing is I found I couldn't do that game because the adrenaline would keep me going for the first two minutes of the match. But then, but <laughs> and then, then you crash. And I crashed. Like, yeah. So either I won or I lost in two minutes or I'd lost. And that was like, if it ended up going to four minutes, I just, my brain would freeze and I just... Well, you remember when I was doing the contender for, uh, yeah, for this? That, a game of, a match of Street Fighter is, of course, like only a few minutes long. The contender was a podcast I did for Cool Ghosts where I tried to get into the top 20% of Street Fighter. No, it was, sorry, I'm retconning that. I was trying to get into the top 10%, which is obviously madness. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, because those matches are only two minutes, you can coast on your adrenaline and that's fine. But then the problem is how long it takes you to go into another match. So one of the tips I got was go and wash your hands. Wow. Uh, you go into the bathroom, you wash your hands, and then because you're using your hands a lot, you kind of reset yourself before huh. going back into the adrenaline bath. But anyway, Julius. That's fun. But yeah, um, that's lovely in the fact that I kind of go, well, you know, I want to get to gold. But then I don't feel that kind of crippling horror when you lose it again. Because the other nice thing about the, the ranking system of Julius is the fact that you can't go back a tier. So if you get past like rank like 20, like because you start off at rank 30 when you first start playing, you get to rank 20 and then it means you can't go lower than 20 again this month. That's not possible. Mm. And then you get to rank 10 and it's like, now you've done that, you're in the gold league. You can lose every game forever for the rest of the month and you will never go back to like rank 11. Yeah. Which is kind of nice, but at the same time it kind of feels like it's nice to know you've done it and you're like, yeah, I got my gold this month. But then at the same time you're like, but now I will never be able to play against people who are bad again until like next month. But then there's next month. So I think <laughs> I think that's why it works so well. And I, I love the fact that I get into it for like windows every month. I'll like get into it for a few days. I'll play loads of it and then I'll just stop. And then I'll just go back to it in a month. And that adds new stuff all the time, add new cards. They're adding another expansion, I think, this month. Actually. Yeah, this month is the second big expansion. Um, which is great because the last big expansion seemed like it was just yesterday, but it probably wasn't. <laughs> it was about... Five months ago, six no, months ago. Yeah. Surely, oh God, maybe it was. I yeah. don't know. Um, but there's there's tons of, of kind of depth to get into. And, All um, of the factions. I mentioned this in the video I did. If people search YouTube for Cool Ghosts and Dual Yist with a Y instead of the I because, you know... Video games. Because video games. Uh, we one of the great things is that all the factions are so fun uh, mm. with Hearthstone I remember like do you want to be a rogue or a warlock or a I don't know maybe none of them uh, but with Duelist you know it's a, do you want to be Vitruvian and create buildings that constantly spawn enemies every turn do you want to be a Lionar and pilot like a block of Roman like soldiers who all move in a big square together and are like this indefatigable uh, chunky block of cheese but the cheese is swords um, yeah yeah 
you know, and but, but there are six of these factions, and there are sub-factions with other factions, and ooh, you want to try them all, and you kind of have to, because that's how the quest thing is structured. Yeah. And that's great. And also it gives you a better sense of what you're up against, and often it's it's just... It's such a wonderfully cerebral game of being like, okay, well, this is how my deck will best work, but then I'm up against this person. You don't really know what's going on in their deck, and you're like, well, it could be... And it's the fact that you've both got the the classic deck-building game of being like, you know, what cards to choose, what cards to hold on to, because you think it's very useful against this kind of opponent generally, but then also the fact that, like, you're playing it on a grid, and it's all about area control and, uh, you know... About- the grid is just so good. It's such a simple thing that unlocks so many interesting mechanics to do with even just... Someone spawns a really awful big robot thing and you spawn a repulsor dog that repulses it into the corner of the boards. And that's great because you've got rid of it. Yeah, but it buys you like, like two, two turns. turns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it, the maths of it becomes a lot more inscrutable. And whenever it's like, should I spawn this enemy? Which is becomes more of a difficult decision should i spawn this minion rather but also then where do you place it yeah like those minions that you spawn where um it gets stronger the longer it survives yeah the growth minions like where do you put that do you put it behind you do you hide it yeah so it it feels like it's one of those wicked games in the fact that like it's not just like what card do i play it's like where do i play it exactly and that just like explodes the number of choices or even the big fundamental mechanic in it which let's try and like our quest is to make this not sound boring yeah but the replace mechanic yes is absolutely genius because every like hearthstone like magic the gathering like a lot of card games every time you draw a card um, but in addition to that, you can point to any... And again, this is something you couldn't do with a physical game. You can point to any one of your cards and go, replace that with a random card from my deck. So, you and you never have to do this. No. But you're saying, you're looking at a card and saying, I think, statistically, I will get a more useful card than this right now. Yeah. And sometimes you don't. No, but the fact you can only do it once per turn as well is like, you you kick yourself so hard when you're like, ah, oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. You go, no, no, I don't need to replace it. And then you, next turn you're like, I should have replaced one of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's just it's just a constant, constant flow of really interesting decisions. And each one of those it is, it is a hard game, especially when you get like above rank 20. It's suddenly like, you know, things switch on. and Oh, sure. But you know people. what? The, ba- the matchmaking is such that if you're not good at card games, you will have fun like oh, yeah. splashing around the kiddie pool. And- I had a ton of fun to begin with. And we were playing against each other just like on Steam and, and it's funny actually I remember those early <laughs> yeah. games we didn't have a clue what we were doing in retrospect it's like we were playing really basic level stuff uh, and that, since then like the game has sort of exploded in terms of like all the stuff that you can do that I never even thought about yeah. but it's really really fun even just the basic decks and the baby and stuff and hey you know what we're talking about all this this is a free game yeah it's yeah, like it for my money the best free game I've played all year uh, you can the questing is really generous like you just produce endless amounts of gold like Playing for a day will generally get you a booster pack or yeah. like a day or two and get, and get your friends involved, like use the referral program to get more gold from them. And hey, if you want to spend like a dollar a month or five dollars a month getting some extra stuff. Yeah. Boss, there's your video game for oh, December. Yeah. It's an incredibly generous game. It's a lot of fun. And you know, my favorite thing about it, and it's such a tiny thing. My favorite thing is that when it's the other person's go... Like when it, when it's you can see oh, yeah. like you have to wait for them to take their go, but you can see like this kind of like red highlight that appears on things, and you can see basically roughly like where their pointer is basically where their cursor is. Yeah. So at any point you can see what they're doing. So you can tell like, if you can't see their cursor, it means they're looking through their cards, and like, if your cursor's on the board, you can see what they're doing. And it means sometimes you get to the point where you like you can see by the way their cursor's moving that you know what spell they're casting or you know what they're doing because you're like okay you're mapping out like an area. Okay, fine, that's going to be this. But what's lovely is sometimes when you're watching somebody play and they just don't appear to know what they're doing. They appear to be like floundering. Or the lovely thing is when you play a 
really dangerous, weird enemy that you just got in one of your booster packs. And then the start of their turn is just them hovering on it for about 10 seconds <laughs> while they clearly just read the text and go, what is this? So <laughs> you, you know the trope, my favorite thing, uh, you know that trope that is in Yu-Gi-Oh, which is you activated my trap card. Which is, the, do you know this? This is a trope in card gaming, but it comes from the cartoon, like the manga, Yu-Gi-Oh! Right. Uh, where someone will move an enemy onto a grid, just like in Duelist, and then they will say, and then their opponent will laugh and say, ha 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 ha, you've activated my trap card! Cut to close-up of their opponent going, what? No! And then a trap appears under the fucking thing. The thing is, is that that is a great mechanic, but it's actually A, not in most card games, and B, as far as I could tell, not in Yu-Gi-Oh! When I looked at the actual <laughs> card game that you can buy. Um, but Duelist does have that. It has, you know, uh, if you let your opponent summon a really big, beefy enemy, uh, and you have the counter for it in your hand, but you don't play it necessarily because you let them think that yeah. you, know, you don't have the counter. There's a lot of spells that can flatly dispel stuff, push it away, or nuke the ground it's on, or just really powerful cards you've got that you surprise your opponent with at the last second. Exactly. And it does remind me so much of, like, you know, a, um, a fantastic card game that we uh, reviewed on Shut Up and Sit Down, the game, the board games, card games website that we run, um, called. Oh, Ooh, you can do gone, it, buddy. It's gone. It's gone. It just, it looked like you had it in your... Arbitorium. Tree <laughs> oh, game. Arboretum. Yeah. Arboretum, sorry. Uh, and what I loved about that was we had a, you know, a really epic long game on a plane where basically, it must have been about half an hour, 40 minute game, but for like 90% of the game that you knew you'd won because you had something in your <laughs> I hand. I didn't know I'd well, won. No, but you really knew you had me shafted. And yeah. I, as the game continued, I continued to pursue a strategy. But you had no idea. No, I had no idea. But it meant that I'd really gone hard on this one strategy and then you had a card that basically just nullified it. And, you know, fair enough. But it was one of those lovely things of being like when it got to the end and you just revealed that you had that card, it was like, okay, right, fine. Well, you know, that we should move on to another game. But that is an interesting thing about Duelist where the thing I don't like about Magic and Hearthstone is that because of how they're structured, you tend to get... Uh, sort of ground down it's like oh I know I've lost and now I'm sort of going through the motions but with Duelist just because of how it's designed if you are really losing you'll be dead in a turn or two yeah whereas uh, and so you kind of you always feel like you're in the game or maybe something could happen and often it does and I mean I've had lots of games where I'm down to like 3 health out of a maximum of like 25 is what your general starts with and then you know I've got 3 health but then I just pull out something oh, and in one turn I like you really just really hope you're you not, just wipe them out I hope you're not one of those guys who like does the laugh emoji like no, the no, laugh no, emotion no, no. just before you do it, like laugh. Actually, well played, no. The laugh. final thing I'd say is I haven't, I haven't seen, I've hardly seen any of that at all. I've had like maybe one person being slightly rude in terms of them being a bored emoji when they were waiting for me to take my turn. Everyone on there has been lovely, and that's what I mean. Is what I was going to say is that I love the fact that sometimes you play a game, and you think you're doing really well, you think you're doing really well. I've got them in a great position, and then they pull a card out of the sleeve, which is basically they've just been waiting for you to try and do your big thing, yeah. and then they just bunked it, and you're like. <sighs> And then you just go, all right, well played. And it's just nice. There's, I, I get the sense that there is a nice, uh, especially with Hearthstone, people used to just spam, oh, well played and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not experienced any of that kind of antisocial behavior. You know what they should do? Because the emojis in uh, Duelist are like, you know, the classic, like laugh, smile, cry, angry. But it would be great if now they've accepted the fact they have a nice player base, if they changed those emotions to like more nuanced, dweeby stuff. Like, <laughs> like if there was a face that expressed, oh, sorry, I just lucked into this and I feel bad playing it because you deserve to win this game face. Yeah. Get your concepts artists on that, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, or to like, be honest, like, I, I, I do end up using the laugh emoji at my own misfortune a lot of the time. It's like, oh, oh God, good. what have I done? Oops. 
Um, but no, it's a really lovely game. Lovely people, but you will get destroyed, but in a fun way. Let's talk about another game that's super fun about not destroying yourselves, but destroying food. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I only played this for the first time, like, last week with you, and I'd heard so many good things about it. About, the game is called... Overcooked. Mm, one word if you want to search for it on Steam, and you do if you're at all a fan of local multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a friend... Um, Anywhere. You want to play this game. Because, yeah, play it online over Skype, I think, surely. Over Skype. All right, granddad. <laughs> oh, God, I am old. Why was that my cultural I reference? No, Skype. I think you meant Steam. I think I meant Discord. Oh, what? That's... Anyway, um, it's it's a fantastic game to play, like, if you can, like, next to somebody else with a controller. You were playing it on the keyboard, on the, you know, classic... Yeah, like, you can also do the classic micro-machine thing of... Two people on the keyboard. Two people on a pad. Wow. You use the left and right side of the pads. That, that would work and be really funny. Yeah, so if you um, have two pads, you can play with four people. It is such a funny game. So what you're doing in this game, which we've failed to explain, basically it's a cooperative cooking game. There is a plot that the game willfully acknowledges is just bullshit. It's great, though. Yeah, yeah. You, you, and the Onion King is training you to become chefs over decades. Um, but the point is, super simple top-down game. You run around, uh, trying to think of a top-down Zelda-style controls. Almost. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you have two buttons, one of which is interact with what's in front of you, the other which is pick up and drop thing. So, like, an order comes in for mushroom soup. Oh, well, you better get three mushrooms, chop three mushrooms and put them in the pan, put the finished soup... And I mean, I've got to say, as somebody who makes a lot of soup, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it would make mushroom soup, it would just make a super bad Yeah, I mean, soup. I wouldn't, no. no you but, wouldn't eat it. But yeah, you, you run around, you get the ingredients, you chop them up, you cook them, and then you, you serve them. But Matt, I can't get to the mushrooms because of how the level's designed. Yeah, I mean, we're in a haunted house. Matt, and, Matt, yeah. where's the plates? Yeah. Matt. Matt, you need to watch those plates a second ago. I mean, fundamentally, every restaurant you're in is either ridiculous or awful. <laughs> and I mean, it's just the little details that make Overcook so wonderful in the fact that you have to, like in a normal restaurant, you have to put the food into plates and then serve the food. And then when the plates come back, you have to wash them before you can serve food again. Although I would say that most restaurants that I've worked in have more than two exactly. plates. Exactly. They have two plates or like three plates. <laughs> and it's just it's just like, what? what? Why? And, and so it means... What is lovely about it is the fact that it's like any kind of horrible task in a, a rubbish TV show of being like, you start off being like, it's easy. You chop the mushrooms and I will cook the mushrooms and then I'll serve them on plates. And that works until you then add a new job, which is like, who's going to wash the plates? As soon as the, the thing is, if there were three jobs... Well, you can play Overcooked with three or four players, so the the restaurants are all designed to be a pain in the ass no matter how many people you're playing with. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, as you say, if you had two jobs and two players, that'd be fine. If we had three jobs and two players, that'd be screwed. But we have five jobs and two players, yeah. which is just yelling. And if you play it with three or four, the reason it's so funny is with two people, if I yell an order, then you know it's you. With three people, if I yell, no wash idea. the plates, <laughs> Everybody starts. it's like, what, did two people start trying to wash the plates because only one of them needs to And there's it. that weird human thing as well. If you have, and I do this in real life, everyone does this, you have a kind of weird factory line going on. So like, you've got your job, I've got my job, da, 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 and if this happens, I'll do it. And then we have a system where it's like, you know, Quince, if there's dirty plates, you'll wash them. Yeah. But then there'll be dirty plates, and for no reason, <laughs> I will go and wash them. Yeah. Like, and, and then everything is out of whack. And you go, well, why do you do that? And I've done that in real life before. And you're like, well, it just needed doing. And I remember two, th two great things. One of which is the moment your restaurant goes from being like chaotic, but uh, 
but you know, it still a, it still looks like a restaurant when you're playing. To the worst thing in the world is when players realise uh, there's no penalty for dumping uh, <laughs> objects or food on the floor. So there's it's this a great thing, storage space. I will run and get chicken breasts out of the box, but rather than pass them to Matthew, Matthew, I'll put them on a work surface. I'll run halfway towards Matthew, dump it on the floor, and then run back. Yeah, we had a lovely moment on one of the levels was set on ice, which obviously makes your movement very slippery. And there's a, a river in the middle, which lied, large icebergs kind of slowly crawl down. Yep. And we had a point where you'd left a dirty plate on the iceberg <laughs> for me to pick up. And it was funnier than that because you would try, I could tell from your hovering that you were hovering like with one foot on the iceberg and one foot off of it going, do I have time to grab the plate and make it back to my space? <laughs> But you didn't move. You were just trying to weigh that up. And of course, eventually the window passed and you just took one step back. And we both watched as our iceberg floated away with a full half of our plates yeah, on like it. One of our two plates dirty just disappeared and, and just into full hysterics with no idea of whether or not that plate would come back. It, as far as we knew, it was just gone. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it was... It's just a consistently very, very funny game. Oh, I loved... Sorry, I just remembered another beautiful thing. Of we had space burritos. Yeah, I was specifically thinking about the space burritos. And you and I were cut off and making... We had our own separate factory line burrito uh, assembly things. And uh, I just heard you say something like, Oh, God. And then this, after this splooshing sound effect, and then you go... <laughs> I just put my burrito in the saucepan yeah. and you made like this brown liquid in the saucepan. Yeah, I had to throw it in the bin because I like finished the burrito and then put it into a, a saucepan of water. Uh, yeah, that was it. Um, but yeah, no, that was embarrassing. But that was the point where we've been playing for about half an hour and it got to the point where I was so exhausted from laughing that I was not able to play the game anymore. I was just laughing. And I think I'd made one burrito in about 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes, uh, Which was unbelievable and unforgivable how does the rice work you yell i'm like well, yeah we'll use the sauce i forgot things like you have to chop chicken before you like <laughs> you can't have an entire chicken you in, put a a chicken in the pan um, just a chicken in like with a tortilla draped over the top it just melted my brain in a wonderful way but what i really like about that game actually is the fact that like it does have that it has a very classic video game style thing of being like the first level it's just normal the second level it's like uh the third level it's ice like fourth level haunted house and it's like yeah. kind of traditional video game progression but then like obviously like ice and slip around really fucking annoying uh, being in a haunted house like one of the levels was like you didn't have any light and, yeah we're and fumbling where are the tomatoes we've got tomato soup like where are the tomatoes you can't see anything but what was lovely about it is the fact that like then the, the actual kind of like the, the ratings you need to get like it is it's easier it doesn't just suddenly spike in terms of difficulty it, it ch gives you different types of challenges and different like different ways to challenge you but then it does also understand as a game that they have just made it a lot harder and so they're going to make the difficulty a lot easier because then it doesn't it, it never becomes it doesn't well, it's not really a challenge attack game it knows you just want to have fun exactly but i think it. with lots of these games that's just the way it does it like it escalates and it gets harder and it means it never really gets stressful even when we were no. doing terribly you're still laughing and, and it still gives you a pass on the level. Yeah, you get a pass and you don't do well. And but obviously, you're like, this is absolutely, if you and your friends want to try and get three stars on every level, do that. You will just absolutely have an awesome time. It's still being fun, competitive. yeah. Yeah, but it's not like it doesn't ever get to the point where you, you're like, come on, what are you doing? I was um, in a dangerous space time was last year, right? This wasn't. I think, I think so. Yeah, Maybe I, end of last year, start this year. But yeah, my God, if you haven't played, if, if you and your friends haven't had like a good sofa, like sofa co op thing recently, then. God, you could have 
an unbelievable evening playing Overcooked for two hours and then playing Lovers in a David Dangerous Space Time for like two, three hours. Lovers in David Space Time. That is the name. That, that's my pitch for a game show, but that is a but whole yeah, no, other thing. But yeah, no, Overcooked, believe the hype. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I heard loads of people saying it's you know one of the best games of the year. And um, yeah, it's just joyous, riotous fun. Very silly. Yeah, it's like usually you play silly games and then you like... It's a bit like Towerfall in that you will cry laughing, but then you're not done with the game. It's not a gimmick. Like, I still just want to play Overcooked when my friends come over because it's a great game. Yeah. And it also has that wonderful like, other factory line panic of being like, you've got so much to do that you just start doing stuff. And the amount of times you start doing a mission and I just chopped like four tomatoes. We <laughs> didn't need any tomatoes, but it was just like a gut reaction. Oh, I, was just I like, loved... It's just panic. You just go, well, I've got to do something. I, so... I remember sending a... Uh, there was a level, there's a level where... One player has to assemble the pizzas and you had the pizza ovens on your side. So oh, yeah. I assembled a pizza meticulously <laughs> and then sent it down the conveyor belt to you and you grabbed it and uh, and I'm like, did you put that pizza in the oven? And you went, what? Because what you'd done is put it on a plate and sent it out the door to the yeah. restaurant. You kept sending me pizzas and I just hadn't been putting them in the oven. I've just been like, it's done. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's a really, really, really fun game. If you if you get a chance to like you know play something this Christmas with a uh, friends or family, then I definitely recommend that. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. A game um, I've been really impressed by recently. Um, I wasn't expecting to. This, be. this is going to be a big leap, isn't it, from Overcooked Two? Yeah, uh, Titanfall Two. Ah, okay, that's 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 the other that's this, that's this Christmas's other competitive cooking game, right? Mm. Where you and your friends... You're a robot friend and you've got to make a cool pie. Except the pie is made of... Titans. Which are... Falling from... Two. Uh, <laughs> no. All I wanted to do there was some classic co-op, and what you did is just you made a mockery of this. Yeah, I did. I'm just trouble. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Timefall 2 um, kind of came out of nowhere... And really, really, it, did, it didn't come out of nowhere. Did surprise it? me! It came out of a Titanfall one and b about three years of work, a huge amount of money, <laughs> like um, millions of dollars. I mean, it came out of nowhere. It mate. came out of nowhere in my in my world because I like I didn't really play the first one much. I think I played the beta. I don't think I think it was one of those games where all the uh, games writers that I followed on Twitter everyone loved the first one for about a week and then stopped yeah. playing it well I think yeah I don't know why because I didn't play enough of it but everyone said it was amazing and they played it for about a month and then everyone just sort of stopped and that, that was it it seemed to kind of really fail to keep people I personally didn't get into it because I don't really like cold drops into online shooters in fact that's usually why I don't play online shooters is the fact you just you know especially that one they were like we don't need a campaign people don't care about the campaign there's probably some truth to that but at the same time when I tried playing the beta of the first game, it was just like, I'm suddenly playing a game online, I don't really know what I'm doing, and I'm just getting killed. I feel like what that's I, not fun. what I've seen from uh, my friends who've gotten into online shooters this year, and it's been a good year for it, right? Because Rainbow Six Siege is really good, yep. and Overwatch is, you know, might not be your taste, but it's really good. Mm -hmm. uh, but the difference between the people I know who are still playing those games and loving them to pieces is whether you have a group that you play with. You, Absolutely. Get, you get on uh, Absolutely. Skype, and you're Skyping each other. And I'm not so into that. Like, maybe because I just don't have friends. I, I wasn't. But, that was a joke about Skype. It wasn't me referencing Skype. Oh, again. Skype. Oh, God. I, I didn't, <laughs> no, I didn't see, even notice. It, it was fine. And I was like, can I, if I, do I just sound old if we don't acknowledge that, that was a joke the second time around? <laughs> no, yeah, I just didn't notice. Just he say Skype so often. It's just, just completely. I'm, not, I'm never Skyping. You love it, mate. You're big into the Skype. You're having phone calls on rotary phones. Reddit slash R slash Skype. You send me faxes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bought a printer this week that does faxes so if you had one we could fax each other let's get some fax in on the go 
Get, log on to Xbox Live, send me a fax when you're on. Oh, mate, we could have like faxing parties. Oh, That's what all the kids all are doing. The fun of the fax. Um, so, yeah, basically, Titanfall 2 wasn't really interested. Um, but then I played it and it's just amazing. So, if I understand correctly, uh, the Titans. So, Titanfall is like a sort of regular shooter. Yep. But these Titans are like. These Titans. They're like big fax machines, right? Very large fax machines with guns. They're robot suits. Um, it's great, and one of the reasons, like, Titanfall 2's campaign is very good for lots of reasons. It's probably my favourite first-person campaign since Portal 2, mm-hmm. um, because it's, like, it actually has a very similar kind of kind of production quality um, in lots of ways, actually, and I think they actually used um, the same engine. I think, really? Yeah. It's made using the, oh, what's it called? The, blade? the Half-Life 2. I was trying to remember this. Valve, no. Source? Source, yes. Yeah. It's made in Source, which makes a lot of sense because what they've tried to go for is a very mechanical world where things really hang together and things are very detailed and things are very, and it really works. Yeah, I think the other, yeah. I think the other thing it has in common compared to Portal is it just wants to be done in like seven hours. Yes. It just absolutely doesn't want to waste your time. It's no. funny because you'll walk through an area with a certain asset style. I don't want to give anything away because I agree with you. I think it is a truly exceptional seven hours of like shooty bangs um but you're walking to an area full of like assets and then which sounds really boring because i'm trying not to spoil anything but then you will leave that area almost immediately and yeah. you'll be like oh i wish i'd spend some more time in there because now i never get to see it again yeah and i mean you're actually just before the one of the best bits but that's right. the thing is it's so generous with what it does with its ideas with its assets and with things and that you just literally like you kind of just go through an area really quickly in and fact, you just go what the hell was that was what it's so fast that i unlocked a one of the loadouts for your titan which completely changes how your robot buddy works yeah uh and uh I missed that there was a little uh, tiny terminal next to me which let me change how the which let me change how the Titan works. And then I took one step forward and fell off a ledge and realized that that was my one shot to change my loadout. And because the game was so fast, like it, it wasn't interested in giving me, oh, here's another terminal. Here's... Oh, no, you can do it in the start button all the time. Oh, okay. But I just found it funny. Have you been using the first thing the whole time? Yeah. No, I know because oh. every time you get a new one, there's a computer next to you and oh, you like, upload Windows and you say, Siri give me a new loadout. I didn't know that. Yeah, anyway, the point is that it was just funny to me that the campaign was so fast that I felt like I missed an opportunity to change my loadout and then it just wasn't going to get go, again. Done. Go, go, come on, on, go. Yeah, it's it's unbelievably generous with its with like with your time basically. It just it just basically goes this is really fun, this is really fun, this is really fun. Uh mixes it up and then by the time it's done, it's done. Also it has some just really lovely design decisions in it. One of the things I really like about it uh without any spoilers is the fact that you have got this robot suit. This robot suit is called BT. He's a character that's not overplayed. It's just your robot buddy. He's a great character. It's really nice. You can have bits where you talk to him, but you cannot it doesn't stop the game to do a cutscene. It just has him asking you questions and you can use the D-pad to reply. <laughs> or you can just not. You can just completely ignore it and it just does have a shooter. It bug me out. That, bug me out? That's also not a phrase. No. I have aged about 15 years since we last recorded Dove Uh But it, those D-pad multiple choice conversations when you're talking to your robot buddy aren't a choice for me because the options are basically be a dick to your robot or don't be a dick to your robot. And I can't be a dick to an AI because because it just upsets me something personally like I went to my friend's house and he had a Roomba and it was the first time I'd met a Roomba and he told me the story that one time he came home and the Roomba was like propped up halfway against a wall like it was trying to climb a wall and it turns out what happened is that it had found his iPhone charge cable which was plugged into the wall and gone and sucked it up and hoisted itself up to the wall but what's great is it had enough intelligence to get up the wall and then go 
something's gone wrong here. I'm not supposed and to it be here. turned itself off. <laughs> so my friend like guiltily found it having slurped its way up his wall. Oh, I love that. It's like, I'm not meant to be up here. Yeah, so... I'm in trouble. Similarly, that breaks. That story breaks my heart and I can't be a dick to BT. So no. I don't have a choice. Well, oh, I think as he goes on, there are options which are... Not, it, it does warm up a bit. Oh, okay. Um, but and as you'll see, yeah, it's a nice little... It's basically a, a very gentle story with you having a robot friend. And the story is not exceptional at all. It's nicely executed. It's not a story-based game. It's not the sort of game you play and you go, oh, that story's going to stay with me forever. It's just a sequence of really awesome events and things with a very pleasant, very basic story. But what I love is that it does the whole buddy thing really well. When you have a game where it's like, you know, whether you've got a squad of troopers with you or whatever, whenever you have anyone in a first-person shooter who is shooting people who isn't you, you get no satisfaction from that. Like, if you're about to shoot a guy in a shooter and someone else shoots them, you go, ah, oh, I was going to shoot that guy. Like, it's kind of annoying, right? I, I, I'm tr- Because I'm a contrarian, I, I want to disagree with you because I swear there's been a game where there's been a cool buddy and I've been like, that's my buddy. And Oh, yeah, but I think in this exceptionally really works well because of the fact that even though the robot suit Titan you've got is technically not you, you feel like it's an extension of you. Oh, because you because climb because in you and out of it. Because you get in and out of it. Oh, that's interesting. Which yeah. means that like you have a moment where like you'll just suddenly watch like these kind of massive things shoot and kill people in front of you and you're like, you kind of feel like you did it because you're like, that's was me. Like, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, no, it's really exceptional. And as I say, like, I don't really play uh, multiplayer shooters, but after I finished the campaign, I was so enamoured. Like, I felt like it was like, I just finally got my head around the controls and I really felt like I was good at manoeuvring and shooting and really into it that I just thought, well, I'll have a little go at the multiplayer. And what I love about the multiplayer is it has, you know, the most the main mode that I just jumped straight into is Bounty Hunt. And a lot of the online modes actually have like AI in as well. So it means that it's... Um, it's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of a, a nice little system where basically means you, you go out and there'll be drop points and drop pods come in and it's loads of AI soldiers and AI robots. You kill them, you earn money. And at the end of the round, banks appear and then you have to get to the bank and bank the money you've earned. However, at any point, if another player kills you or you kill them, oh, player, you, lose the money you, you steal don't... half of their money. <sighs> Which means what tends to happen is you have people like me, I'm not actually that good, but I go and I'm really good at killing the NPCs because they're NPCs. I've got loads of money and then I'm getting home and then some guy who will like uncloak next to me and like empty a clip into me and I'll be like, ah, because you do get people who basically are sneaky bastards who just specialize in just waiting until the end and then trying to sweep up and steal people's money. <laughs> but it's really satisfying when you're running home and like some guy jumps you and you kill him and then and then the guy jumps oh, you and you wow. kill him and then suddenly you're like ducking behind the bank with like $800 like basically shaking going oh my god watching as the number down like uploads to the bank and being like come on come on you really do feel like especially because I'm you know a complete wuss you just feel like you're hiding behind a wall while somebody's coming into the room looking for you and you're like come on it's almost uploaded it's almost Jurassic Park style there's it's, a mechanic uh, in it I really like I haven't played on any of the online but it has a thing right which was also in the first Titanfall where when you lose a match you and your squad have to like bug out and retreat yeah, to a dropship yeah it's fun which sounds really awesome to me and like because when you finish a match of like Overwatch or something it's like time is ticking down you're like yep we're gonna lose five seconds we're gonna lose through two seconds yeah we've lost and yeah. you know that is such a miserable experience but the idea that when you have definitely lost a match you then get a fun little finale and presumably yeah. you get some like extra experience if you make it out uh, I don't know if you do it's just really satisfying like, and, <laughs> and it's actually really hard to because if you've lost then often it's like because you know sometimes it's really close and you can be fine but sometimes you just get stomped on but what I will say is that it's the sort of game where there aren't many, that many people playing it online, but there's still enough people playing to, to play it and enjoy it. And it's so much fun. I've, I, it doesn't matter. What I find 
are brilliant about it is it doesn't matter whether I'm playing well or playing badly. It doesn't matter if my team's playing well or playing bad. It doesn't matter if like we're losing horrendously or winning amazingly. It's always fun. And um, yeah, I haven't felt this way about an online shooter since uh, the original Modern Warfare where it was like, it's just fun to play and you're not like fixating on the unlocks. It's just the unlocks are just something that happens when you play. And then you're like, oh, cool. I've got that a new thing. I'm going to try that. always the gold standard I hold to game, games like Battlefield and Overwatch 2. Like yeah. if, if a, or Rainbow Six Siege even, where it's like my, my test going in is, of course this game is going to be fun when you win. And of course you're going to win if you're playing with friends and have like a shade of teamwork. But is it fun when you lose? Yeah. And like so often with those games, no, it's miserable when you lose. Losing in Overwatch sucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and I never ever want that feeling that I got from Dota 2 a lot, where if you go in and you really invest in trying to get a win and you don't, then that sensation that you've wasted your evening, like, yeah. I just can't do that now. No, I can't either. And that's why I love doing this. And even if you're the underdog, there's something quite exciting about the fact that basically, if you're losing, it generally means that you like the other team will have loads of mechs walking around, loads of titans, and you're just like on your foot. And it's really satisfying sometimes when you're like using a zip line to z- zoom around and grab onto things and like pulling the batteries out of the robots and they're all like running around trying to shoot you. And you, <laughs> so you can be like, I'm, you're losing, but you can be like, ah, screw you guys. I'm a, I'm a robot jester i'm gonna get you um it's it's a tremendous tremendous game I'd, i really recommend it it's uh, the first time i've i've had this much fun with a first person shooter in a long time and it's a shame because it's like it's you know it's come out at the same time as battlefield i think there's clearly been some really between the lines there's clearly been some weird bad oh. juju going on between ea and and respawn and i don't know like it's it's it doesn't really matter it's just a mess um and i feel for like I think it's probably the result of some dumb politics and some dumb egos, but I really feel for like just the you know the people who weren't involved in any of that and the people who were just team on this oh, game. Oh, you mean because what? That they were releasing at the same time? Well, yeah. I mean, it came out at a bad time and and like it seems to have bombed. And I think that the reason that probably happened is probably down to some some weird like clash of egos um, about like you know I wouldn't be surprised if there were people. I don't know. It's complicated, but all I'd say is that it's just a real shame because it's like it's it's the sort of game where. It's it's interesting because it shows how different the whole games industry is now. That it's so split and the so fact diversified. That a game this good could yeah. just not do well at all. Yeah, like if this game came out ten years ago, it, um, it would be the sort of game that everyone would play, everyone would talk about, and it would be like Modern Warfare. It is, I believe, it's of that caliber. It may be better than that. It may be, in my mind, the best first-person shooter I've ever played. Yeah. Um, and it just seems crazy to me that this this game is well, just. We've been we've been getting that all years, like all year rather. You know, I, I invested that massive amount of time earlier this year into Street Fighter Five, which is a f- absolutely great Street Fighter, massively accessible. Everyone can play it, and it's sold like half a million or something. Yeah. Like, well, it's really not enough. Well, you know, it's also like we probably won't talk about because you weren't hugely enamored. And I haven't played it yet, but Dishonored Two again. I'm not sure that's done terribly well either. There's all these games coming out. They're all like you know doing well, critically acclaimed, but. Nothing's selling. I mean, some strange stuff going on. There were a lot of people who saw the writing on the wall. Uh, uh, industry insiders uh, who I, you know, you and I would be talking to who saw this coming like a good couple of years ago. But it's the fact that there are so many giant money powered uh, tanker ships that are piloted. We make AAA games. Yeah. We have, this is the all we can do. Uh, and who are just hemorrhaging money now. Well, I think is as well, this, this this increase of the time sinks. You know, as I say, like, well, the majority of what I've played over the past few months, because of, you know, different life circumstances, I've just been playing tons of Duelist on my laptop and, like, hospital lobbies and stuff. And, like, other people just play, like, just play Overwatch. Like, I don't quite get it because I don't think it's that good. But, <laughs> but like, some, that's their game. And, and for me, like, a couple of years ago, my game was Destiny for a while. And again, I tapped out of that after, like, a short amount of time. There are an awful... I mean, God knows I think it's more complicated than this, but there are a lot of games which are yeah. really good at just saying, do you want to play this for 500 hours? 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I don't know. I think uh, maybe we're just getting to the point where first-person shooters are just not... I don't know. That's fine. I'm ready for a new paradigm. Yeah. I'm ready for... I'll tell you Bring what, back Banjo-Kazooie. I'll tell you what, I'm ready for a new wave of a kind of game that I've been playing this or last month. What have you been playing? Uh, Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor. Hear me out. The FPS was great, but it's over. Now we're in for a new wave of janitor simulators. Oh, man, that'd be great. I love sweeping up things. It's a, it's a game of sweeping up things. So it's an indie game that runs potentially terribly on your computer, but I do really like it and I've been having a great time with it and it's cheap. Um, you are a uh, I was going to say girl but you're not and in fact changing your gender it, it has a really funny thing to do with gender where like there are just gender changing booths and there are like hundreds of genders but like in a really knowing silly way like your gender could be like sweet and sour or like um, but you are in like a completely bizarre world with a completely bizarre job with a bizarre ecosystem and uh, you know we were talking about when you play like games like Stellaris and Civ yeah. you, don't, you have no idea what's going on but you're in and you're like oh, I kind of understand how tech works, and now I understand how combat works. It is a similar, not obviously not as complicated, but it's a similarly, like, unknowable web of systems of, like, who do I buy food from? And, you know, what do I sweep up to get the most money? Because you're just a janitor, and you're paid by item that you sweep up. Um, and gradually you learn the layout of this place. What seems like a labyrinth initially, you're going to learn. What seems like a job that makes no sense, you learn to identify, like, trash that's better. Uh what seems like quests where it's like, oh, can you buy some porn for this octopus? And you're like, yes, but where do I buy porn? But gradually, over like tens of hours, you learn the city. And that I find really satisfying. And it has a really unique pastel art style. Uh, if people want to just Google image search diaries of a spaceport janitor or look at it on Steam or watch a trailer, they'll have a great time because it looks really nice. Yeah. Just put on a podcast. Clean I do up love Alien I mean, City. It's. I think it's a really undersung ability is to have like a kind of have a large city which isn't just overwhelming and it's something that you actually enjoy to learn you know well this is it I think uh, you know a lot of what people don't realise they do with games especially kids is just learn things like kids will fumble their way through incredibly complex strategy games or uh, you know like uh What's it called? A uh, zombie game, which all the kids are playing, uh, made by the guy who used to work Skype. on the team. Yes, the kids are playing Skype. Uh, <laughs> and kids can figure out Skype, even though it's really annoying. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they'll work it out because, and you know, you and I will work out Stellaris, even if we don't quite get it. We'll skip tutorials. Yeah. Uh, we'll play Assassin's Creed and have, and gradually learn incredibly complicated environments. Um, and it is fun when indie developers do that in ways that are, we we aren't used to. Like. But there's a real joy to like kind of being placed in a in a, in a kind of a large environment and just just ha- and and constantly enjoying just just uh, just learning. That's it. what I'm saying. So like uh, one of the uh, games that I will always talk about because it's just so weird and interesting was a French game in the 80s. I think it was the 80s uh, called Captain Blood. Uh, yeah, I know about this. Yeah, yeah. Basically, imagine No Man's Sky except you you, you control the the screen is your is the panel uh, at the front of your spaceship. And like something out of like Rick and Morty, all the buttons have weird icons on them and you have no idea what any of them do. And it's like, you just go. You're an alien in this vessel, figure it out. And so you press a button and maybe you figure out that makes your ship move and then you land on a planet and an alien walks up and speaks a language to you, a language of symbols, which you can actually learn. Like you can learn those hieroglyphics. Yeah. Then you press a button and <laughs> you accidentally destroy his entire planet. Yeah, yeah. Just erodes We've all it. been there. We've all been there. Uh, maybe I've talked about this game with Half Souls before. No, my no. Point, my point is that uh, learning is so much of what we do in games. And once you acknowledge that that is part of game design, you can have a lot of fun. Yeah. Like Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor just 
Oh, God. I mean, we somehow, I think it was Fable 2 was the first game that did it. Fable 2 ha- implemented a system, which is also in Titanfall 2, of do you not know where to go? Press a button and we'll show you. Yeah, yeah. So Fable 2 just had this like super egregious thing that I swear you couldn't turn off, which was this golden breadcrumb trail yeah. that led everywhere. And I couldn't stand it. Uh, similarly, we've got like fast travel now. And then Titanfall 2, if you don't get the Tomb Raider-esque wall running puzzle you're supposed to do to advance, you press a button and you can see a ghost to do it for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. A hologram. I love though that then it always pops up saying press x to do this but it has this weird like faux because it's actually like trying to render things that you see in the world as being part of like your kind of internal com- mind your computer. helmet heads up thing. it means like your heads up display it actually has this little like kind of loading bar where it says calculating like optimal <laughs> route and it means that if you don't need it you just you don't wait for that little loading thing to finish you just start running and jumping but if you for any point just go i don't know where to go and what's lovely is in some of the levels, when they get a bit like weird, you're like, you end up looking around and going, I don't even know which direction to go in. And sometimes it means you go, yeah, just just show me, just to see which direction. And then you go, oh, okay, up there. And uh, then, but yeah, like it's it's tiny things like that makes a huge difference. Sure. Uh, so, but that became the norm. And I guess what I'm saying is that it's interesting that when a game now doesn't do that, it feels like really subversive. But actually, it's great fun in Spaceball Janitor when someone's, when, yeah, an octopus says, buy me porn, or it says, you're hungry, or like, you need to change your gender. You haven't done it in like a day. <laughs> so, and then you're like, well, how do I change my gender? Wait, I saw a gender pod a while back yeah. and I laughed at that. Where was that? <laughs> um, it's not a great game, but it has a cute little story. It, continually made me laugh it has some references to video games it and it feels like such a work of imagination uh well that sometimes is enough you know i've played a bunch of stuff over the past few months uh which just hasn't grabbed my attention um and i won't i won't bother name dropping it but um but there's been many games you know i've been i've been trying to like kind of just uh haven't been able to like do a lot of work so i've been trying to play bits and bobs i got a lot of codes from lots of devs for lots of new things and a lot of stuff is just okay um, and a lot of stuff is just really derivative, um, and that's fine. And people like that, you know. Um, but it's 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 always like I feel like if I'm playing a game and it's just kind of average or not that great, and it's just derivative ideas mashed together because they're popular ideas, um, that feels to me like a total waste of time. Yeah, Matt and I, by the way, for people at home, are of an age. Where, uh, I mean, we've been playing games for a very long time. Most games journalists have stopped doing this by now. Yeah, uh, we both turned thir- well. You turned thirty a while back. I turned thirty this year. Yeah, I'm thirty-one. I think. Okay, the Maybe point 32. is that you know we are basically like those. Uh, like the elder race, we should have fucked off into el- outer space. People who might work in the sex industry, who <laughs> your mind with that, that analogy. I'm like. You know those people who have been having sex for so long, their kinks are really weird. <laughs> like, you know, I can't get off unless there's a greeting card from my mother d- duct tape to my back or something. Like, so my point is that we... At least would- be on Skype, but, you know. <laughs> uh, I just use faxes, mate. That's yeah, Skype fine, anymore. Fine. Uh, so we would rather pay money for something that we haven't seen before. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than paying good money for something that's extremely well made. But and that is, I mean, a weird situation. And it is funny. And I, I feel bad because I've played some stuff recently which has just been like, this is totally fine. Um, but I've played a lot of stuff. Like, I find it interesting when I get the sense that there are lots of devs now who are maybe 10 years younger than us who've been doing it and learning it for, you know, five, six years. And they're, they're getting good. And they, you know, but the sort of games they're making are homages to the games that they were playing when they were kids. Yeah. Which is great, but these are the games that we were playing when we were like 18, 
17. So it's this weird thing. So we thing. don't even get in on the nostalgia. Well, you sort of do, but you're like, well, what am I playing here? Like, I'm kind of playing a kind of slightly retooled version of a game that I played well, like 20 years I ago. I think we talked about that, that being why Undertale was so interesting because we've met any number of kids. Yeah. Uh, I say we've met any number, like we're talking to kids all the time. Well, you and I personally met a couple of girls who were like 14, 15. Young that, I think they're 10, 12. Okay, but they really liked Undertale, but it's like, you don't even get what yeah, this is Yeah, you won't even get the jokes. To. Like, there's so many, well, there's still jokes. I, but they, they dogs, get the jokes you know. in a different way. Dogs. Yeah. They get the jokes in a different way. Um, I'll tell you briefly what I've been playing that it was more interesting than it could have been uh, before we move on to questions uh, is Thumper. Mm. Thumper being a VR game that mercifully is also available just on like PS4 and your PC. I would love to play it on VR. Don't have a VR headset. It's fine. Probably should get one because I'm a video games journalist. Uh, but it's, so it's a rhythm game that is incredibly like oh, I think Kirk Hamilton, the ever great Kirk Hamilton called it like like rhythm violence, uh, which yeah. was, it's such yeah. a great way to put it. Like, you know, in Guitar Hero, it's like, oh, Matt, bet to press the guitar now. Yeah, you did it. Great. I uh, love it. And then you're like, yeah. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> and then five years later, your, your, your girlfriend says, are you really going to bring all of those plastic things? <laughs> and you go, no. So Thumper is a game where when you play it, it's a lot like Dyad. If people played that one and got to the, by the way, exceptional final level. Um, but yeah Thumper is like it's a rhythm game when you look at and it looks like this is what video games this is what people in the 80s thought the video games would be it's mad and it's visceral and it's violent it's like the scene and inscrutable as well like I mean I haven't like played it but I've seen lots of videos of it and I don't really understand what's going on well basically you're racing along a tube a bit like Wipeout Um, occasionally there's multiple lanes for you to jump between but all it really is is sometimes like Oh, like a wall's coming at you. If there's a wall coming at, coming at you, you press A to tuck your little beetle protagonist into a... They hug the ground and then they blast through the walls. Yeah. If there's spikes, you want to jump up. If there's walls, you need to hold left and right. And that's really it for yeah. even the first But I think of most of the videos I've seen have been videos of people playing it really well. And I get the sense it's one of those games that when you're watching a video of somebody playing it really well, you can't really tell that anything's happening. Yeah, so the main th- difference is that with walls and curves, you can press the button to hug the ground like early. Like, oh, there's a wall. I'll lean to the left now. And then the wall comes up and passes. But you get way more points for doing it the instant the wall begins, uh, at which point it's really hard. But the main thing I want to talk about today and why it's different, aside from the fact that it's just exceptional, is that the music is like really intense, like noise, like it's barely even music. I think Lightning Bolt did the soundtrack. Like yeah. it's never... It, and the, the sound, the time signature changes for each level, well, right? Well, this is the thing. So the the hilarious uh, consequence of Thumper coming out is it led to a lot of uh, help threats of like people who've played like Guitar Hero and Rock Band being like, <laughs> I don't understand what it's not in time to the music. And I don't know anything about music. So I'm, I'm not looking down on these people, but like, you know, devs or people who know what they're talking about would come and be like, yeah, it's called syncopation. So what you're doing here is it'll sound like you're not in time to the music, but you can kind of, you can tap out the beat, but it's not going to be, it's not actually on the beat. It's kind of off it slightly. So because I'm not a musical person, I can't like play pressing buttons at the correct times. But what I can do is get into the right mode. You can get into the groove. I, I will bliss out to the vibes, Matthew. I will look at the screen. And if I manage to hit like hit, 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 and I know that's correct then I've got that kind of beat running in my brain. Yeah, and it's the first yeah. like rhythm game where I have to bob my head, not to enjoy myself, but because I have to set that internal metronome going to hit well, that's, stuff. That's always why I much preferred rock band to Guitar Hero games, because I always felt like Guitar Hero games scaled up for difficulty more and scaled up for more like um, finesse in terms of like 
pressing combinations of buttons. Whereas, whereas it, Rock Band was... It felt like Rock Band, especially on the easier difficulties, they literally just went, you know what, Like this isn't going to be about a pattern to a time. This is about getting into a groove. And it would be the sort of game that once you had a basic idea of what you were playing for the next few seconds, you could just close your eyes. Like you didn't need to be looking at the screen because it's right. like you yeah, kind of knew what you were yeah, playing. Yeah, there's a touch of that in uh, in Thumper that you'll really... You should definitely get it. You'll like oh, yeah, it. no, yeah. I'm but well up for it. There's uh, it, it does awful stuff to do with... Uh, like, let's say you have to go left, right, left, wall. Then you'll do left, right, left, wall. And then you'll left, right, left, wall, jump. Left, right, left, wall. And then towards the end of a world, because the worlds are like, ooh, 12, 15 minute right. songs, essentially. Yeah. Uh, it'll You'll stop me doing that left, right, left, wall nonsense. And then you'll forget it. And then later on, it'll, it'll be throwing it to you. Left, right, left, wall, left, right, left, wall, left, right, left, wall. And you have to kind of remember that muscle memory from earlier it's super weird and it's really aggressive and you only actually have like essentially two hit points you get one hit lose your armor another hit dead so it, it there's no progressing unless you're getting it right so it doesn't let you fumble through which is right. interesting yeah it, it starts off easy and it just trains you up so yeah, really good. And if you get to like weird time signatures, you don't understand them, then you can't play anymore until well, you understand music, yeah, you peons. You pretty much have to restart it. I wouldn't say people need to understand music. You can just play with your eyes as well, and then it just becomes a really intense action game. It, it, play it on mute like you're fighting a Dark Souls boss. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Shall we answer? Let's some? do a couple of questions. There were some funny ones I was looking at this earlier. As always, if you would like to ask us questions, you need to follow at Daft Souls on Twitter. That's not how we do it anymore. We changed that. We just did it this time once. If you'd like to ask questions to Darth Souls then you need to comment on the Darth Souls question thread That's on right. net. this is how long it's been honestly like it's been literally months I, I assumed I was going to be away just for a couple of months maybe but it's been such a long time go to coolghost.net click on the button that says Darth Souls click mm -hmm. on ask us a question and there's a thread yeah there's a thread there and if you don't want to ask questions you can just look at the questions that have been asked and upvote some and we will delete ones we've already done however this week we did go on Twitter because it was all very last minute and we thought we'd just fire it out there so Question number one from a friend of the friend of the show, Eric Tangblad. Oh, hey, Eric. What is the best cake? That is not a video games related question. It is the jam sponge. That is absolute bollocks. That is a child's cake. The Victoria <laughs> that sponge. That is a disappointing. The Victoria sponge is a classic, Quince, with a lovely touch of vanilla, very light, very delicate, delicious. I'm going to go with. It's not the best cake, though, let's be honest. No, this is awful. <laughs> I like Battenberg. That is not the another. Best average cake I might go with cheesecake honestly I don't like of all the desserts I could have cake is the cheesecake lowest cheesecake is called cake but it's much more a dessert I would have fruit above cake although oh, since getting married I wonder if you had this do you have what's left of your because Matt and I both got married this year do you have your wedding cake in your freezer uh, yeah we have our wedding cake in our freezer yeah yeah, you, you couldn't tell if you were taking the piss out of it. <laughs> it's because you said that man, we got married. And I'm like, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. We've got our cake in the freezer. Uh, gay and marriage isn't together. funny. No, it isn't. But it's it's like, it was funny in the context of you asking me, anyway, if, like, the did point you is, eat the did cake? You know and I'm like, yeah, I ate the cake. Having a piece of your wedding cake in your freezer is like supposedly good luck and you can have like nibble a bit on your anniversaries. The problem is, Lee and I have like about 18 slices of wedding cake and we just eat it all the time. No, we just got rid of it. You See, got rid of it? We didn't have, like, that big a cake. You keep a slice, man. That's, like, the tradition. Well, I didn't, so... <laughs> well, evidently, you're screwed. <laughs> we had, like, quite a lot of cake left over, and um, I ate a lot of it. Like, I just ate, like, quite industrial amounts of cake for about four days. Did you throw it away because you were, like, disgusted with yourself? I throw it away because it'd just been in the kitchen for four days, and I'm like, this has just been out on the side for four days now. You like, put it I in the freezer. Keep... Yeah, but, I mean, I, it's, oh it's fine. It's fine. 
It was just cake. I can have another cake. You can't have another wedding I cake, mate. You get can. one unless I can have you as have many, like multiple marriages. I can I can do that. We can we can renew our vows. Just have a little cake. That is not the same. It's fine. Dude. You got you don't even like cake. You said you prefer no, fruit. It's okay when it's in the freezer. Same as chocolate. If you put chocolate or cake in the freezer, Quentin likes it more. You're weird. No, because you eat it slower. You're wrong. Uh, we have a question from Hieronymus <sighs> Goth, which says, Bloodborne aside, what are your favourite games with Lovecraftian influence? So, I talk about this on Shut Up and Sit Down all the time. If you like the works of H.P. Lovecraft, then most video games and board games that deal with his work are nonsense, because the idea that, oh, we can succeed against Cthulhu, we just need another shell for the shotgun, it's like, that's just not how it works. No. Lovecraft is full of awful beasts that you can't even describe, let alone look at, let alone kill. So uh, for me, best Lovecraft game uh, is going to be uh, Sunless Sea, full of impossible, unknowable, awful things that are terrible that you can't describe. Sometimes the copywriting even beautifully is like, you see it. Like the copywriting plays with unreliable narrators if you see or do something awful. Like, man, my favorite thing, which is the island you can go to. Uh, the chess. And play chess. Yeah. Chess made of pieces of coral. And when you touch the chess pieces, you get a bit addicted. And then, as far as you can tell from being there, your crew shows up and is like, Captain, can we leave? And the implication is you've been there. You've been there for a long time. Tell your crew we can't leave. That's great. That is great. And I do love the fact that some of those locations just you land and it's the middle of nowhere and it's like, you shouldn't be here unless you need to be like it kind of just says it's like every now and then it kind of bra- almost breaks character and just tells you what it looks like or what it, it is but then just sort of just sort of nudges you to go you don't you don't want to be here i mean it's been out for long no. enough so if people haven't played it i will spoil one well it's not even one of the things you can locate towards the end of the game is an island that is just full of spiders like nothing but spiders huge spiders and the sound effect the game plays when you get there i don't know you know what it doesn't even play a sound effect i'm just sinister Teasing one because the copywriting was so good it said the sound of all the spiders on the stones is like pebbles being washed up on a beach yeah and it's just yeah. like <laughs> and then sure enough you get there and the game's like do you want to be here I kind of feel like one of my favourite Lovecraftian games which like I don't think even people would describe it as Lovecraftian but perhaps that's exactly why it is because it's so bloody unseen that you don't have a clue it's probably uh, that condemned condemned <laughs> like, criminal origins criminal origins which is like a really weird game and features no bloody tentacles or anything like that but it's just like a weird spiral of you just going what the f- what is yeah Condemned 2 so that's kind of like those games are reliably awful and weird I think unreliable narrator is which means stuff the player doesn't quite understand yeah. is key to a Lovecraft game yeah but there is that sense of there being greater powers and conspiracies and being like what's going on also yeah. a lot of murdering homeless people with bricks um, which is not one of the core tenets of uh of Lovecraft. I do like the ability to throw uh, small objects at people's heads. That's why I like Condemn. Well, that's why we voted for Brexit, didn't we? <laughs> um, yeah. God, so much has happened since the podcast. <laughs> Literally, the world has fallen apart. We, like, we got, I got married, the world fell apart. Stay on course. Sorry, Those sorry. Two I just keep forgetting. I'm not right. related, not by related. Way, people at home. I didn't do it. Um, next question. Here we go. Ben Syme asks, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you at the prospect of a Monster Hunter game for the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, of course, which got announced recently? Does Nintendo still own that IP? Um, uh, they don't own it. They just work with Capcom. They have a relationship. And okay. I think that's going to continue. I think but that's Capcom the... also makes Street Fighter, which came out on all the... No, I know, consoles. but they have a relationship with that game. Come sure, on, this is how but they it works. did until they pre- like it was exclusively on PlayStation until it came to Nintendo. No, I know, but I'm assuming I don't know, but I'm assuming they've already had conversations about there being a new one. Maybe nothing's been announced. But, but if it is, then yeah, great, fine. 
Um, Sorry, I derailed that question. Slightly. Yeah, you kind that of like was, went for it a bit hard. I mean, I know, I know these things do change, but but <laughs> yeah, I think I it's know. been like it's done really well for them for a long time. So it's purely because yeah. I don't necessarily want to get a switch, and I would love a Monster Hunter game on my Vita that I don't own, or maybe the oh, PS4. On, it's that never going to go on the Vita. Like PS4, maybe. But the thing about scaling up a game like that to a PS4 is like very expensive. Like people want HD graphics and all that stuff. No, that's going to like increase the cost of the game dramatically. Okay, sure. Um, Kenneth Sharp asks, "What's the best?" piece of game design that is not in a game now matt and i both really like this question it's a lovely question it's a brilliant question but i can't necessarily think of an answer it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a bleak one because really there, there's so much game design in the real world but none of it is is there for the purposes of fun so are you ready for my take on this question yeah go for it some people would say that league of legends is the biggest video game in the world i think it's society oh that, that's that's <laughs> rubbish <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. But I mean, certainly more money and time goes into manipulating people uh, at, I don't know, fast food restaurants than on any individual yeah. game. This is the thing. I mean, like lots of game designs and theories are used all the time. Uh, but it is just that, yeah, like rather than looking at the elements of play and about how we can make life more playful. And that was the thing with gamification. The idea was a wonderful thing of being like, let's make the game world more playful. But actually, it's just like, we can just manipulate people really effectively. I realised something. Do you remember so. with the original Halo, people were talking about uh, how the original Halo was very clever because when you could go through a door that was unlocked, it put a green light above the door, but doors that were locked had a red light above the door. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, that's brilliant. And sure enough, that's been adopted, well, at least was adopted until we realised that light in general shining the way you go is a way to guide someone through an FPS. Uh, but Halo's thing, that's just real life. I realise now that that's just emergency exercise. <laughs> yeah. There's green way. lights above a door to say you can go through here. That's disappointing, isn't it? But proof of what we were saying, that game design is also alive and well outside of games. Yeah, just doors are fine. <laughs> just regular doors, mate. Uh, Tomality. The door handle. There's a great game mechanic that's not in games, but it's, fantastic. it's very clever. Fantastic for one or one players. Um, Tomality asks, he says, in, in full capitals, so I'll read as much. No questions, just sheer unbridled joy that this is a thing that is happening. Heart-shaped thing. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. It's nice to be back doing a podcast and that we look forward to doing more in the new year. Thanks, Tom. And uh, finally, a quick question. Matt Sanders says, I've got my five-year-old son, a 2DS for Christmas. Uh, any recommendations for games we can play together? And uh, yeah, Mario Kart. Mario Kart. Brilliant. And I think, I think Mario Kart, still absolutely cracking game. People forget about how good it is. The 3DS Mario Kart games are brilliant. Have a little race. And it means you can do that classic thing you can play, you know, play through. I think you can play through the GP together, so you can like, you know, try and help him out. And if your son's doing really badly at one point and it doesn't look like he's going to make the bracket, you can purposefully fluff one race and just try and mess up all the AI characters. Brilliant, brilliant fun. Nice. And that's the end of this episode of Darth Souls. Thank you so much for for coming back. Uh, for those of you who just subscribed to the podcast in your feed and, and just didn't notice that <laughs> they just suddenly away. come back, you might go. Hey, what? I, think it, I think it might stop updating if you. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's, let's this not is the worry. podcast going into the void uh, um, no I'm sure it's fine uh, yeah thank you very much for listening we have plans to uh, change a few things on Cool Ghosts in 2017 we're going to use the six month break to kind of rejig a thing or two mm-hmm. which is going to include this podcast because you know after doing 87 now episodes of one format yeah. we've decided that maybe it's not the most sustainable format because frankly more episodes come out than games we can talk about yeah 
So we don't know what it's going to mean. Things might be slightly different, but we will be back doing some stuff on Cool Ghosts and Daft Souls. Rest assured, do not delete this podcast from your feed. It still exists. Please, Apple. <laughs> it will con- And it will continue to exist and new episodes will come out. It'll just be a bit different. Yeah. And, you know, it'll probably be hosted on that popular platform, Skype. Uh, yes. Do we have a Facebook page uh, for Cool Ghosts? Yes. Okay. Well, just keep an eye on Facebook and Twitter for when the Cool Ghost <laughs> site starts updating as well. Uh, yeah. And we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.